So today we're going to be in Exodus 24. Um, we're going to be starting fresh with 24, give you a little bit of back history as we talk about this. We're in our, this is in our daily reading, so as I was reading through, the Lord showed me a ton of stuff in this chapter, so we're going to do our best to get through a lot of it, but it's very exciting, the book of Genesis and Exodus every year whenever we restart reading in the Bible. There's every year so much more. As you, as you open up and break God's word, you, you see how much he's given us, but he only gives it to you in the timing that he wants you to have it in. So it's amazing to see new insights, and I thought as I was reading it that we would, that we would jump right into this. So I'll give you a little bit of back um, story before we start our passage this morning. But um, back in chapter 19, the Lord came onto Mount Sinai. And so the children of Israel were scared. They heard the thunderings and everything, and they didn't actually want to hear his voice anymore. They asked Moses to speak for or to speak to them for God. They wanted Moses to um, instead of hearing God. So God gives Moses all the laws and um, the Ten Commandments and shows him the picture of what everything's supposed to be. Talks about the, the three annual feast, the angel that will go before them, um, and all the, you know, all the things that Moses is supposed to go back and share with the children of Israel as they're wandering in the wilderness after they have left Egypt. And so the context that I'm going to be sharing with today is for us as the church. It's the same exact thing. God's not doing anything new. It's always been and always will be the same way till he comes and takes his church home. So we have his promises of today, but they still match up pretty similar to the same promises for um, the children of Israel. So we have been taken out of Egypt. That's the world. We've been drawn out, and we could see as they were being led out of Egypt that they complained against God. They, um, everything was going wrong. They kept wanting to go back to Egypt because it was easier for them there. And it's, it's very similar for us. We, we want God's promises. We want him to um, take us to heaven. We want the end result, but the walk is hard. And so I wanted to make sure that we understand today that God's in control of all of it, all of its testing of the heart, all of its trying, all of it is to show your own heart to where you can get rid of those things within your heart and put your faith in him. Um, it all happens for a reason, and self is always the worst enemy. I think I really truly believe, believe that self gets in the way because as God's working, we don't realize who he's working on. And we think it's always about self instead of those that are around us, that if we're faithful to share his word and to do the things that he's asked us to do through his word, to be intimate with him, then we come to know that other people are going to go through things. They're going to be brought low. They're going to be tried and tested also, and it may affect your life. And so we don't always understand God's ways are not our ways, but we get so tied up in self that we think that we are... Uh, all about me you know and so we we complain and we groan and, and moan and cry and whine just the same way so don't ever think that um as you're reading the old testament that it's not god still showing you your own heart he's just already shown us through israel 
and they will still be redeemed through his blood. They will come to know Jesus the same way. We just have to go out and make sure that we're being faithful witnesses to him. So today we're going to be covering uh, the first covenant with blood. It's still the same thing. Jesus is the new covenant. He is the perfect sacrifice. And we'll see exactly how God is not changing. He, he's still showing us the same thing, except for he came and did it for us. He came and fulfilled as the perfect sacrifice for our sin um, to give us new life through his death. So we'll read and then we'll pray. So Exodus 24, verse 1 says, Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come up near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with them, or with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people and they said all that the lord has said we will do and be obedient and moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said this is the blood of the covenant which the lord has made with you according to all these words Father, we thank you for uh, sending your son. We thank you for still giving us the opportunity to be ambassadors for you, Lord, that we would go out and we would share the victory in Jesus. Um, we pray that you go before us. Help us to be out of your way, Lord. Give us a heart to hear, a heart to obey. You would send us out today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in verse 1, we're going to go through this verse by verse. I like to actually break down the words a lot and look at this. I think it gives deeper. It doesn't change the meaning. If, it, if anything you ever get while you're looking this stuff up changes the meaning, get away from it. It's not true. It should add depth to the word. So we don't let any of it change what's going on. We, we, we look and we see how deep God's uh, fingerprint goes into this versus trying to change it and make it a different fingerprint. It's not. It's always going to be the same. So he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. So they were, they were in an encampment um, away from the mountain. And he's trying to, you can see how merciful God is. Instead of just being mad because they don't want to hear about him, he's actually trying to still talk to them. He still wants a relationship with them, so he's always going to be, and it's the same way with us, he's not going to give you more than what you can handle. He's going to give somebody to be there with you. He's going to try and talk to you in whatever manner he can talk to you. But he knows our heart, 
and he knows whether or not we truly want to hear from him or not. So these are all the things you have to pay attention to within yourself is are you getting distracted and pulled away and you have to worship remotely or do you want to be in the presence of the Lord? Do you want to be up on the mountain with him? And Moses did. So he's only speaking to Moses. Uh, Moses means um, one drawn out or rescued. I, I love that because he knew he was dead. He killed a man in Egypt, and then he started to fear for his life, and he fled. And until he withdrew all the knowledge that he had from Egypt, he, he, he took away all the higher learnings. He took away all that stuff, went out, and just became a servant, um, found a new life. Forty years, he learned a whole bunch of stuff in Egypt, and 40 years, it was taken out of him. And until that moment, God didn't speak to him. That moment is whenever the burning bush moment happened, and it says that he turned aside, which means to withdraw himself. You can see self is always the enemy. It blinds us from hearing God. So he withdrew himself, but he fled because he knew his life was on the line. He was fearing Pharaoh was going to repay him for killing the Egyptians. And when it was found out, that's when he fled. I believe it's the same thing. We, we have to know that our life is on the line. There is a second death that we are all going to have to endure if we are not covered in the blood of Jesus on the se- for the second covenant, believing, having full faith in what he did. And so Moses is a type of Jesus through the scriptures. He's a, he's a foreshadowing of Jesus to come, but he's also how we should be trying to to do we are one drawn out of the world we have been instead of him drawn out of egypt or drawn out of the water we were drawn out of the water baptized we were drawn out of the world we were now seeking refuge we're rescued and jesus is our refuge so we should be picturing most of the stuff that moses is doing is how we should be as ambassadors for the rest of the people trying to show them jesus and his his mercy that he would come down and, and shed his blood for us to give us a way out. So it says to come up, and that come up means to ascend, arise, depart, or recover. So they're, they're talk, he's talking about going up to the mountain, but not up the mountain. And you'll see, you'll see it later on in the text, Lord willing, it, it'll come out, but Uh, Come up to the Lord. That's the direction that we should be moving is towards God all the time. We were in the world walking towards the world, and now we are turned. We are drawn out, and we are headed towards God. So we need to to be looking up and not back down at the world. And it's going to overwhelm us constantly. We're going to always be fighting trials and everything, but know that God is in control of all of them. And if you're willing to hear He's just trying to teach you. He is, there is no beating on you, no anything. He loves us, and he's trying to move us towards him. So everything we go through, all things, and there's a lot of challenges out there, but as we go through these things, just know none of it is to condemn us. Satan's the accuser of the brethren. So as you hear the accusing happening in your own head, in your own heart, it's not God. He just loves us. He wants us to move towards him, but he needs us to come with a whole heart, a whole mind, and all of our strength as we move that direction. <coughs> and then it says, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron. Aaron means light bringer. Um, Nadab, which means generous. And Abihu, which means he is my father. 
So these are all their names, all give their character of how they view God. And these are the people that he's saying are allowed to come up to him. So we are these, but you can see Moses, the one drawn out, is the one that shall come up alone. The 70 of the elders, I thought it was very interesting that in Luke 10, as I was studying this out, Luke 10, 1 through 3, Jesus sends out two by two, 70 also. So I think it's still a picture of what Jesus was doing. Um, yeah, and then it says, 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. So that word means to um, worship is to bow down in reverence, fall down on your face. And I truly believe that we don't do this enough. A lot of times that as we, we feel like we're already secure in God, that we, we don't actually humble ourselves back down. We don't, we get lifted up and then it, we're quenching the spirit because he resists the proud. And so a lot of times maybe it just might be in your prayer life and your, your uh, studying time that you don't give him the time that, he, that he's asking. He wants, he wants to be meeting with you alone, um, our cell phones, everything else. As we're studying, as we're reading through his word, you hear a ding and you instantly go dink. And you start looking at your phone versus just saying, I'm not going to do this right now. I'm spending time with God. I'm on his holy mountain with him right now in spirit, being led by him, being taught by him. Because um, I do think this is a picture of us. We should be meeting with him daily. We should be going up and hearing from him and then bringing back word to, to those that do not want to hear his voice, that, that want to worship from afar, because there's plenty of that going on. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of people trying to worship from afar and don't want to hear the word of God. So um, it says, Moses alone shall come up. Yeah, sorry. Afar means remote or distant. And I think that that's a lot, a lot of the churches out there right now. They want the world more than what they want God, and so they want to say that they are worshiping God. But it's really just in song and music. They don't want to actually come to the word Jesus. They don't want to come to him and bow down and worship him. Um, they, they want to just do whatever they want to do and call it worship. But it's really not coming up on the mountain with him. So in verse 2, it says, Moses alone shall come up near the Lord, but they shall not come up near, nor shall the people go up with him. Um, so here in verse 2, you got God's already making division. And as I read Genesis 1, I think it's amazing that God's word, he spoke in Genesis 1. God's word divides. And so as we're, we're going through in Bible study uh, in Matthew, you can see that he's talking about tribulations for his namesake. All these things are going to cause division. God's word divides people. I'm just telling you right now. They don't like the, the exact details of who God is, and so it creates division, even amongst the church. His word is going to divide. He, didn't, he says, do you think I came to, to bring peace? No, I came to bring a sword. So we're supposed to be searching out, meeting with him daily on who his character is, who he is. Uh, not just to us, because our own lust blind us in this stuff. And I think that this is what carried the children of Israel away, is they had a, a God that they wanted to worship, but they didn't want to, the, the real God scared them. So they had to have a, a messenger come and speak to them through this stuff. But you don't have to be scared of God. Um, so so I, I have down here, God's words divide and he knows their hearts. 
And so you'll see that him, he already knew this stuff. He already knows what is going on in your heart. He wants us to fully submit. Um, and he says in Isaiah and in Matthew, um, I'm going to go there real fast. If you want to flip with me, you can. But in Matthew 15, 8, I think it's very interesting. We had this as a memory verse one week uh, here at the church. And it, it is um, about them honoring with uh, their lips only, that their heart is far from him. So let me get there real fast. <laughs> so he says in seven, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he knows our hearts. Isaiah prophesied of it. We're seeing it right here that they, that they want to say that, yes, yes, we do, but their, their hearts are far from him. They actually don't. I think it's because they've been sinning. I think sin leads to division with God. It separates us. So this whole time they've been sinning against God as they're walking through the wilderness and so then all of a sudden they can't stand in his presence. They already feel condemned. They, they, they feel a separation from God, and all they can do is fear him. Because whenever you're trying to walk with God, like Moses is in this time, God, when you come to God, the fear of God is the, the beginning of knowledge. So it's good to fear God in that sense. But then you quickly find out that he's a good God, and he's making all these provisions for us to be able to. Because you can talk to God. You can tell him, I'm struggling with this stuff. You can come before him humbly and ask him to help you with your walk. You can help ask him for help in a time of need. But the, the children of Israel didn't want that. They, they were sinning against God. They were complaining, grumbling about this bread, and I don't have this, and where's the water, and all of this stuff, complaining. So it creates a division. Our sin, our, our walk with the world instead of our walk with God creates a division. And so we've got to make sure that we're, we're meeting with him daily, that we want to walk in his ways. It's our heart's desire. Our direction is towards him. And then it's not as scary. It's not the fear and trembling is what you're looking for. You're actually looking for him to come back and to come down on that mountain and thundering and lightning because you know you're going home. You don't think that he's coming to kill you. You think that you're going home. And so it's the same event, two different things happening because of the condition of the heart. So they, God already knew their heart, and he's trying to still make a way for them to, to hear his word. So he says, Moses will come up alone, and they will not. And then also in James 4.8, um, I'm going to go there real fast. I didn't take very good notes. Sorry. <laughs> but James 4.8 talking about worshiping with your whole heart it's it's always going to be and you're going to probably throughout this whole thing see that this is a condition of the heart that we are that we are trying to go through I'm going too far sorry i used to know my bible till i got up here and got scared All right, there, it says in, it start in verse 7, 
Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. So see, they, they worship remotely. They didn't want to draw near um, to God. But this is what we're supposed to be doing. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double-minded means you're living in the world and trying to live with God. And so we're supposed to be turning from the world, but everything in our flesh that we're battling, ourself, um, wants to jump right back into the world and play along with it instead of bringing the word of God that divides we're supposed to be a believer priest that are telling about our our kingdom ambassadors for God and it is very hard to go and walk it out and if you if you want to see context on this I'll give you the passages you can write down but if you want to see pa- uh, context for it you can see that the people did not want to hear from God in chapter 20 18 through 21 they said you talk to us. We don't want to hear God. And so just a few chapters ago, you can already see that they said this stuff, and God's trying to make a provision for them, knowing that their heart does not want to, because he hears all things. So we'll move on to, to verse 3 with this. But you can see that they, God, if they don't want to come near God, he's saying you ain't coming up. You're, I'll, you can just stay down there, and, and Moses will bring word. We're the ones going up, and we are supposed to be bringing out the words as ambassadors. So it says, So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. Um, the word people means a flock. This is my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Um, this is the, the flock, the fold that he's talking about in one of his parables of how there's two two flocks that he's going to make one. And so Israel is the one flock, and then us as believers, the church, are being gathered from all nations right now to make the, the other flock that he will make as one. And he he is the shepherd of that. And then judgments is wrongs or law wor- uh, worthy so these are the ways that, that God sees his judgments, the things that are wrong, the law, the things that make you worthy, which none of us could do, none of Israel could do. They have one representative that came as Israel, Jesus, just as David was the representative for Israel when they came out to battle um, in the valley. He was the representative that defeated Goliath, but he represented all Israel in the same way Jesus represents all of uh, Israel in that death and his his giving of his life. So it says, So Moses came and told all the people the words of the, of the Lord and all the judgments. That's, that's exactly what we should be doing. We hear from him. We go out as ambassadors. We share all this stuff. He's not doing anything new. Moses is just a picture of what we should be doing. It's the same thing Jesus did when he walked in his ministry. He told all the things and gave greater context to it. Um, But he came to fulfill all these things. That's what the, the amazing thing is, is that he came and did to show us as an example of what we're supposed to be doing. And he also, he is the cloud that was on the mountain that 
Moses went up to meet with. He is God that was sitting on that mountain. And then Moses was to come back down. So Jesus was going up on the mountains the same way whenever you go back to Matthew and see that the multitudes came at the base of the mountain. Then his disciples came up with him on the mountain and he taught them there. That's where he started telling them about adultery in the heart. So I see the same picture. Matthew and Exodus are very similar in nature of how Jesus was doing the same thing as a type for them to see that he is the cloud that was on the mountain that they were meeting, that Moses was meeting with. And now the disciples are like Moses that are supposed to be going back out. Then he walks with them and shows them in Matthew. And then he sends them out the same way as we're supposed to be sent out. Um, yeah, so he, he comes down and tells them all the judgments and the people answered with one voice, um, and said, we do. I think that the, as we do our communion once a month here at the church, we talk about it being our, our wedding vows back to God, recognizing his covenant that he's made, uh, with us. And this is the same thing. They said, we do. We will do. And so they're, they're saying the same thing. There's a, a marriage ceremony when it comes to this blood and the covenant that you're going to see throughout this, I hope. So they say, I do, all with one voice, just as the church all says with one voice, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Um, we give our hearts to him. We give, our, we give our, all our full attention to him. We're supposed to come with our whole uh mind, soul, strength, your whole heart. Turn it all over to him. And he will be a, a rewarder that for those that diligently seek him. They say, we will do. So, um, yeah, it's just amazing to me that whenever you see these little things going on. Uh, and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. So it's pretty cool. I had a whole list as I was studying of all the things in this passage that Jesus is. Because he really is the mountain we're supposed to worship at his feet. The same way that they came and, and washed his feet with the perfumes in her hair. Um, you bow down to God and you worship at his feet. You don't stand up above him. You don't try and say, you're going to do what I want you to do. You say, what am I? I am your servant. Help me understand um, where this is supposed to be going, where I'm supposed to be, you know, moving towards. And I want to be your feet. I want to walk in your ways and for you to teach me. But they, they come and they build an altar. And <laughs> to me, it's really cool because we lay our gift on the altar and so I believe that he is the altar also that we lay our gift at his feet. And so in um, Matthew 23, 17 through 21, it kind of shows that he is the gift that was laid on the altar and um, that he is the altar. So I'm going to go there real fast and we'll just see some of this stuff. I'm, Really hoping that you guys see the beauty of, of all the things that are in the, the scriptures all the way through. And there's people that want to eliminate the Old Testament. And they want you just to read the New Testament. 
But when you can see both of them going back and forth the same way, you realize the, the glory of God that he has literally wrote this thing from the, it's all one book. There's, there's two covenants, but there's one book, and it's all one. Um, and so anybody that wants to get rid of it or say that this is now our book and that was their book, it's all God's book. And when you start claiming God's stuff as your own, I think you're in deep trouble anyway. This is all one book. It is all his worship. It is all his church. It's not ours. None of this stuff is ours. And as soon as we start proclaiming it to be ours, I think we're in a pretty haughty state as people that will walk in the exact same ways and get lost in the wilderness and not make it to the promised land. So in Matthew 23, um, 17, he starts, um, says, Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever uh, swears by the altar, it is nothing but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all the things on it. So you can see that he is the gift that was laid on the altar on the cross for us, but yet he is the altar where our gift is at. We, we know that he is our all in all he is our everything and so we come and worship at the feet of the mountain the entire thing we come and the altar is laid at his feet we are the we are the gift that or i'm sorry we should be presenting ourselves as a sacrifice a gift offering to him but he is the altar he is the mountain he's the cloud on the mountain he's the everything in these passages so beautiful picture um, so let's move on to, to the next verse here. I could get, I could get stuck on this stuff forever. I, I was last night. There's so much going on. It says, then he sent young men and it's very interesting right there. Just the young men piece of it. It says that we have to come to him as babes, as children born again. So it's interesting words. I know that every man, every woman, every child can bring a, a, offering to God but it's very interesting how Jesus tells Nicodemus do not marvel at this thing you must be born again born from above we've got two two walks our walk in the world and then our our second walk with him once we're born again says says he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings so so just look at this burnt offerings because these are are super important Jesus is our burnt offering that means the whole thing, the whole thing is consumed, which he was. Um, and if you look over at these offerings, this blood that we're talking about, already back over in chapter 23, like next page back, Exodus 23. In verse 18, it was very interesting as I was reading through, because this is where we're reading through our Bible at says, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. Right there is just a fulfillment that his body was already put away before morning. It didn't stay out overnight. 
because he's calling it his sacrifice. He is the sacrifice, and he's saying that his blood is not going to be tainted with sin. Leaven always represents sin in the Bible, and so we are not supposed to be mingling the blood of Christ with leaven. We're supposed to be drawn out, separated, and when we mess up, we repent of it, and he's faithful to forgive, but we have to recognize it that our heart always is going to want to move that way. I just think it's, it's really cool because as this covenant is made with them, he's still recognizing this blood is his. The blood of my sacrifice, he says. So he's not doing anything new. You can see this is the blood of goats that would atone for a period of time, and his blood was what they were always supposed to be looking forward to. In my opinion, it's written clearly in here that he sees it as his sacrifice, not theirs. It's his sacrifice. Um, so burnt offering is, it's talked about a lot in the New Testament. Uh, Hebrews 10, 5 through 18 talks about the, the sacrifices. It's talked about in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. There's, it's all over the place. As you just, if you've got the Blue Letter Bible app on your phone, it is really cool when you just type in some of these words, burnt offering. And you just see how much that it brings up and it gives you a complete understanding of what God did through these burnt offerings. But we should be coming to him, especially as that young born again, as a whole offering, as a complete, my life is yours. I have messed up and I will end up in a ditch if you don't guide me. Right. So but as we grow and walk in him, just like Israel we start complaining and grumbling and everything else, but we trust him wholeheartedly when we first get saved. And then the cares of the world start to just delude us a little bit here, a little bit there. So recognize those things in your walk and come back before him at his feet. Lay your sacrifice back down, a burnt offering, and just say, Lord, I've, I've stumbled, I've walked away, I've whatever it is. Give your heart back to him, your whole heart. And he's faithful to forgive. So... Um. And then the peace offering to me was really, really cool because it's a voluntary sacrifice and thanks. So we give a whole offering to God, but then we come to him in thanks and give peace offerings. It's a peace with God, not with man. And everything in our flesh, our whole world, our, our, our country, everybody is trying to make peace with man. And so even in our daily walk, we hear something we don't like with somebody, and then we say, I don't want to stir anything up. Or they say, I don't believe in God. Because peace with man is always what we're trying to do. But really, you can't do it without peace with God. Because if you don't bring them to have peace with God, we're not ever going to have peace. You're just swayed by every emotion and everything. Whatever state of mind you're in is going to dictate how you're going to treat other people. Now, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding is Jesus. And when we have him, we can now be reconciled to God and then we love others then we start to actually not get caught up in our emotions we don't get caught up in self he starts to draw these things out of us to where we can be a peace offering to others but it only comes through Jesus Christ it only comes through that peace offering of our heart to him so very interesting because the says offering of oxen and as you look up these the word oxen it says as breaking forth in wild strength or 
as a divided hoof. And so, like I said, your, your hoof, your foot is your walk. And so we should have a divide in our hoof. That is a clean animal in the Bible. And so we should have a hoof, our first walk and our second walk with Jesus. When you're born again, you have a divide in your walk. You are a split-hoofed animal. Um, and we, we have two separate walks. We don't start blending them together and just say, I was freed by Jesus, do whatever I want. And then your first walk looks the exact same as your second walk, right? So you can, you can really tell whether or not somebody is, is giving their heart to him or whether or not they are um, still all of one hoof, unclean animal. Just interesting how God has shown you all these things. And I, I don't mean to belabor any of them, but I really think it's, it's amazing how it's all here. No matter what you do, what direction you go, God's word is full. It, it, there's no error in God's word when you look through the lens of Jesus. Um, yeah, so they offered whole offerings, burnt offerings, sacrifices. And the burnt offering, it's also... Um, our, I think it's a part of like our prayers because it says a step and I, it's referring to the smoke as, it, as it's being burnt, it's going up to God. And so we should be, our, I know incense or prayers in the Bible, it should be that wh whatever we're doing is going up to God. It should not be that it's to, to give to all this other stuff. It should be worshiping God. Our prayers, our whole offering should be going up. Um, and one of our jokes at work is it's all going to burn. <laughs> it's a, it reminded me of that is that the whole thing's gonna, gonna burn so it's all gonna be smoke going up to God glory to God and all of it uh, but it says he took half the blood Moses took half the blood and put in basins and this is where it starts to get really really awesome to our communion is because basins means cups it, it can also mean cups and so as we take and we say this is the blood of Christ that we drink and we eat of his flesh, the cracker, this blood was put in a basin in cups or in basins, cups. And you can see that Jesus is doing the same thing with his covenant at the Last Supper. Um, the institution of the Lord's Supper is what we celebrate as our wedding vows, as the remembrance of what he did on the cross for us. And then we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood to remember him. So this is like the institution of the first covenant, which resembles very, very similar to the, the second covenant through Jesus because he's one God with three parts. He took the, uh, I'm sorry, he took the blood, put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. <coughs> and then... He took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. The book of the covenant is what they were agreeing to. This is our instruction book. This is the scroll. This is the instruction. So when we take that, that uh, communion, recognize it's us saying I do. It's saying I will do. And this is our instruction book. It should be a heart that's turned towards it, not just saying it in lip service, but with a heart that intends to obey these things. So we get this, we get this twisted around a lot, the, and a lot of it's attacked of the world and our flesh and everything else. We just start to recognize it, and then we start moving that direction. Every time we find ourselves grumbling and complaining, we say he's in control. 
And really, whenever you take him out of the equation and say he doesn't know everything and that he's not in control, you're not really worshiping God, I don't think. You're, we stumble in it, and he teaches us, so he's forgiving. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's mad at anybody. But we have to recognize these things, that he's in control, and all the last days are going to get harder and harder and harder. So there's going to be a lot more grumbling and complaining and whining that's going to be going on, especially for me. I'm a big complainer about everything. But he shows me my heart every time whenever I get out of control. Have you guys ever been to that moment where he's complaining and whining, and then all of a sudden you get to this like almost breaking point, and you, you step past that line, you go, oh, what did I just do? That's that recognizing point. To me, that I think God shows you your heart. He lets you get all the way up to it, teach you. You start getting to that point, and then you cross it, and you go, okay, hold on a second. I always say that I'm on foundation. I'm on a firm foundation in Jesus Christ, and I'm building all this stuff up on top of it, and sometimes he just knocks that house back down and says, start over. <laughs> you got to go back to the cross, back to the foot of the mountain, and say, Lord, you're a consuming fire, and you just burn up that whole thing, and teach me how to rebuild it again because I don't want to do it wrong. I want it to be firm and stable. But he's always just trying to teach us. All the, all the way through, we're disciples of Jesus, which means a pupil, a learner. And as long as we stay as those disciples and learners with a whole heart willing to obey, he's faithful to keep on teaching us. So um, back to our text, it says, then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The covenant is what they were taking the, the blood and sprinkling on. It's, it is the agreement that this instruction is what we will do. So they have evidence. That's the other word for this book or scroll. It means evidence. So this is our evidence of what we said we would do when we came to him. And he read it in the hearing of the people. It, it's very similar to whenever Josiah heard the words of God in um, 2 Kings 22. They, they found the, the book, and they read it in his hearing, and he tore his clothes, and then he revamped everything. He started just going crazy and tearing down all the stuff. Uh, it's where we're at in our Bible study, but it's very similar that there should be now an understanding that this is what we're supposed to be doing in your heart your heart is willing to obey it. And a lot of us were ignorant. Um, we were painted a whole different God that we didn't like. But when you hear who God truly is and how amazingly uh, deep his word is, that he's told us all things beforehand, you go, this is the God that I want to worship. And it's scary <laughs> until you get to know him. And Moses, I believe, knew God, and he was humbled by the the God of the Bible, the the God of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he's an amazing God, and you can't deny him. Once you know him, there's nowhere else to go. You're, you're with him. You're walking with him, and Moses was submissive to him up until death. He, how easy would it have been for Moses just to cross over, right? Like, he could have just crossed over, but God said, you're not going to. So even up until death, just as Jesus, he was obedient to God. That's how we should be, is that we we are obedient to him in all things. We, we're learning submission because we've been rebellious our whole life. We're coming back underneath the instruction, and now we have to have a heart willing to obey. It says, then, 
they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. But the word obedient kind of brings this to life a lot more. It says, diligently, we will be diligent, understanding. And then it, it also means to tell, to declare, or report. So you can see as ambassadors, we're supposed to understand first, be disciples, and then we are supposed to go report it. We're supposed to report the good news. We're standing in victory, and we want to share that victory with the rest of the world, especially those that we love. But our flesh gets in the way, and we don't want to tell anybody about it. We don't want to, we don't want to share all the good news because we know that they're not going to accept it. We know that people are against God, but we say they're good people, but yet they reject God. And so he says, Jesus even says, why do you call me good? There's none good but, but God. So we can't have it both ways, right? We, we need to share the report in boldness, uh, in kindness and love, because we now have the victory. There's no fight to be had. We're standing in it. When you're covered in the blood of the covenant of Jesus, there's no fight left to be had. He finished it all on the cross. So now we just tell everybody about it. And then you come to understand it and you want to grow in the knowledge of it so that you can fight back in your little sword fights day to day when somebody says, well, no, I believe God, I believe God. No, you grow in his knowledge. Continue because he'll give you the words. He'll give you the understanding if you want to be a disciple. He wants to teach each one of us so that we can go proclaim. Um, yeah, where we were at a couple weeks ago in Matthew, it starts off that they're disciples in the first verse of the chapter, and then it switches instantly to now I send you out as um, apostles, which means an ambassador. So now they're going out and proclaiming. That's how we should be. They, they're, they're saying that they will do all these things, and we have the knowledge to understand that they, they weren't obedient through the whole walk in the wilderness. All their children ended up inheriting it, and only Caleb and Joshua ended up getting to cross over the Jordan. But we know that they weren't obedient. So we should have fear and trembling that even though that they had all of this knowledge, they had the book of the covenant, I think we work out our salvation in fear and trembling, as the Bible says, that you don't just start walking all over God. You start making sure you're not stepping on him. You make sure that you're, you're uh, growing in his knowledge to where I mean, he'll show you how much grace that he has as you mess up in your walk and everything. But uh, we have Jesus. They didn't have him. They were looking forward to him trying to walk with God. And we understand that he came and did it, but we're still trying to walk with God. He's still in us in spirit. He lives inside of us. We should be listening for his voice to speak through us and guide us through the wilderness. So, um. And Moses took, in, in verse 8, it says, And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people. So here's the blood of Christ. Are you covered in the blood? And said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Um, So in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26, I'm going to go to two places and then we'll close this thing out. Um, get out of here a little bit early today. 
Yeah, it says in chapter 23, 18, like we said, you can recognize that they were covered still in his sacrifice. Um, he, you're supposed to be willing to bring your sacrifice, but it's still that he's recognizing it as his because we are now his. Whenever we, the children of Israel were the children of God. They are still the nation that is persecuted the most out of every nation in the world. The world hates them only because they have the stamp of God. He has put his name there. He has put his children there. No one can take it away unless God moves them out of the way, which he has done a couple times. But then he puts them right back. And nobody can stop what God has put in place. So he's he uses He's protecting them, and he says, not for you, but for my namesake. And the same promise we have, that whenever we start walking for God, it's not about you anymore. It's about him. So he's going to protect you. He's going to teach you. He wants you to grow. He loves us dearly, but it's not about you anymore. It's about his word. He says he watches over his word to perform it. So he's going to perform every word in this book. And we can either be a part of it or we cannot. But in somewhere you fit into it. It's just what side are you on? There's two kingdoms and we've got a choice. So let's look at, at 1 Corinthians 11.23 and you can see how, how similar this is that they were the blood was sprinkled on them. And then it's also in Hebrews 12. So if you want to make your way there also, I'm going to go to both places to just show you that our covenant is, is very similar to their covenant. The only difference is, is it is now not goats and calves and everything else that we're covered in. It's the blood of God himself that he came down as that sacrifice, gave his life as a ransom for us, paid for it all in full, that we would have the perfect blood of Jesus as our sin atonement, that we don't have to worry anymore about whether or not we need to sacrifice again or um, sorry got distracted there but we don't have to worry about it anymore we're covered in his blood we walk in faith that we are covered in his blood not letting anybody distract us there's coming a day where there's an antichrist coming in place that is going to try and distract I think that he's going to rebuild the temple they're going to start sacrifices again they're going to do all of this stuff and it's going to make a lot of people doubt their faith in Jesus Christ, whether or not the, the atonement that he gave for us is enough. And they're, they're going to probably bring out the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to bring out all this stuff, I, in my opinion. They're going to bring out all these lying signs and wonders to try and make us doubt that Jesus was the true Messiah. So growing in your faith and seeing these fingerprints all over the Word of God is super important. It's probably more important than what you guys even understand until that day to know who God is, to see him living still on the throne, resurrected, because right now there's a lot that we just do and, and lip service. We don't, we don't actually honor him in his word, come to know him, go up on the mountain with him and, and let him teach us. Instead, we create all these cemeteries, seminaries, I'm sorry, <laughs> where people go and they get taught by men and they're not going up on the mountain with God. They're not going up and letting him reveal himself to them. So now they've got all these, these people teaching them and we don't even know whether or not it's just the furthering along 
just like Israel, they have a furthering along of oral Torah, where now it's just men continuing a tradition of all this stuff, and God is living and powerful. His word is living. Let him teach you. Go up daily and let him give you your bread of life because it, there's no other way. You can, you can try and grab a hold of him, however, but he says if you don't enter through the door, you're not getting there. And then the parable of the, the wedding where there was the one man that didn't have the right garment on and he was throughout, and he says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you can't come into the wedding in the wrong garment. You can't come into the sheepfold through, the, through a different path. You can't jump over the fence. You'll get caught. You're going to get thrown out. So come before him and, and learn. Let him guide you through the word. You should have a heart that desires to know who God is, to go up on the, the mountain with him. So in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, we see the institution of the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord, from the Lord, you can see I received from the Lord, that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my blood, which is broken for you. This is my body, I'm sorry, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So it puts the, the blood in the basin. We now drink it. They were sprinkled with it. But we, we drank the, the wine or the, the grape juice, sorry, as our covenant, the remembrance of it, the same way that they were sprinkled in it. And they sacrificed all the time. There was the three annual ones, but... There was so much bloodshed that they just got used to killing. It's important to remember that our life is in our blood. And so Jesus gave his life, his blood, for us to have life. We were dead in our trespasses, and he gave his life, his blood, for that covenant so that we may have life in him. So stay under the blood. Stay underneath the covenant. Walk with him. Because his blood is what matters, not yours. And we, ha we desire to walk this thing out, but it, um, there's no penalty for us anymore. For those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. We're now just faithful to continue to try and walk in his ways. And it's hard. It, it's not hard. It's easy because he's already forgiven us of all things. But your flesh can get in the way and say that you're failing at things. And then you start making it about you and not about him. So in 12, verse 18 in Hebrews, I want to show you that uh, I think Paul taught, uh, Hebrews is one of those, that I shouldn't say it is Paul, but I believe it's Paul based on the way that he writes and looks a lot like his writing. But in Hebrews, the author that wrote Hebrews is talking about this in chapter 12, verse 18 also, where he says, you have not come to the mountain. This is talking about the text that we just read. You have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and the blackness and the darkness of tempest and the sound of the trumpets and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. See, they, this is how 
this writer seeing this is that when they said we don't want to hear from God, they didn't want it spoken to him anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to the mountain of Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. Father, we just give you thanks for everything you do. We know how perfect the word is. It's unsearchable, Lord. I just pray that we would go out and have a heart that understands that we would desire to walk in your ways. That we would say, I do, Lord. We'd say, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. You would give us a new heart that would uh, recognize what the world is trying to overwhelm us with, and we would be able to, to still perform but not be tied up in it. Lord, I know we all struggle with these things, and you know these things also, and they've already made a way. We just pray for healing for all those that are sick within our family, that are struggling with something. Um, Lord, how perfect is your word. We give you thanks. Thank you for being a mighty God and have told us all things beforehand. You've given us a shadow to see. Thank you for testing our hearts and showing us what's inside of us, that we may draw it out, that we would, we would desire it no more. We just give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.